March Madness, what a time. March sadness for our predictions, Rob, as we had on the last game day, everyday podcast. Welcome, everybody. It is game day every day. I am Ryan Bass. Rob Higgins is here as well, the executive director of the Tampa Bay Sports Commission. Boy, was it so much fun. College basketball, the month of March into early April. What amazing championships games we had, both on the men's side with the largest comeback ever in a national championship game with Kansas, and then South Carolina knocking off powerhouse UConn on the women's side. March Madness couldn't have been any better, Rob. Half the Higgins family was pretty pumped up. You know, Casey Higgins went to University of Kansas. Landon's a huge Kansas fan. So for them, the Jayhawks to pull it off, they were really excited. But I can tell you, so many great games throughout. I'm sad that it's over. Uh, but the women's tournament was fantastic. We had a chance to go to the women's Final Four in Minneapolis. That was their first time back to full capacity since we hosted in 2019 it was just great to see everybody again great to see the energy uh around the the women's championship and and how it just continues to improve and get better wasn't just energy in the building in Minneapolis. It was energy on the broadcast too. I mean, 18.1 million people watching Kansas UNC. That was the average. That's the third most watched college hoops game ever on cable in terms of the women and their championship game, nearly 5 million, 4.9 million people watched South Carolina beat UConn. That made it the most watched women's title game since 2004. You felt the buzz, you felt the excitement, and it's going to be really cool for the city of Tampa, by the way, Rob, to have both the men's tournament and the women's final four coming to our city in the next couple of years. I'm really pumped to have college basketball right here in our backyard, because if it's anything like we saw for this tournament, it's going to be buzzing and excitement when both of those events come here to Tampa Bay. Yeah, the women's final four specifically continues to, to reinvent themselves. Um, the NCAA division one women's basketball committee was chaired by Nina King, who we're going to get a chance to visit with here in this episode has put such an emphasis on, improving the student-athlete experience, improving the marketing around the, the event, and making sure that it truly is the mecca of women's basketball around the world. And just getting a chance to go to Minneapolis and see uh, some of the enhancements to the event has us so excited to be able to host in 2025, whether it's the increased signage package to some of the things that they're doing from a branding standpoint. You can just feel that this event is on a true upward trajectory. Um, but I will tell you, even with all those changes, it's also great to see a lot of the things that started right here in our community, like Beyond the Baseline and some of the other initiatives that are continue to carry forward. The Super Saturday Night concert just gets bigger and better as well. Uh, so you still see a lot of those fingerprints from you know, our advisory committee and Claire Lessinger and all of the different uh, local organizing committee members, you still see that legacy going, but then you see just a, a lot of things continue to be enhanced and improve as well. It's like what we've seen with the national championship game here with college football, with, with obviously what we've done for educators and teachers. And then of course, forever 55 with Super Bowl 55, you leave a lasting legacy when you get those events here in our town, in our city. And it's been cool to see that carry forward uh, with some of the events that have happened in other cities as well. You mentioned Nina, Nina King, the vice president of athletics uh, and AD over there at Duke university. It, it, it's so cool to see her, her rise through the ranks being a Tampa native, Rob, uh, we're so proud of her and and truly grateful that she was able to spend a little bit of time with us here on the game day everyday podcast 
Well, we're joined by the vice president uh, for of athletics for Duke University, and as well as she just wrapped up or is wrapping up her role as the chair of the D1 Women's Basketball Committee. But more important than all those titles, she's the pride of Gaither High. I tell Kevin Cash that he is the vice pride of, of, of Gaither High. The real pride of Gaither High and a Team Tampa Bay member, Nina King. Thanks for joining the show. Thanks for having me. How did Kevin take that when you told him he was the vice pride? Well, uh, you know, his ego is a little bruised, but he, he knows the Duke AD. I mean, that's that's big time. The raise manager is one thing, but the Duke AD is another. <laughs> Love it. Great to be with you guys. So I know you got to be catching up after what was an incredible March Madness for women's basketball. I don't think people understand, you know, as an athletic director, you have so much on your plate to begin with. And then you throw on this role of being the chair of the D1 Women's Basketball Committee, not for just one year, but for two years. You know, how's it like with the dust settling right now, catching back up? probably finally unpacking a suitcase or two and visiting with your staff. What's going through your world right now? Yeah, well, you know, I mean, we also had just a few things going on at Duke this year, too. So um, adding adding on uh, first year AD, uh, Coach K retirement, and, and then chairing the Women's Basketball Committee, um, uh, uh, just so much fun. Um, it's great. And, and it was my fourth year on the committee. So, you know, we're kind of in a routine and a rhythm. Um, but adding my, my new roles and responsibilities here at Duke was, um, was certainly a challenge, but had a lot of fun uh, while doing it. So and then the added benefit of Duke men's basketball being in the final four. So I had the pleasure of flying every day last week, back and forth between Minneapolis and New Orleans, hence the bags under my eyes. <laughs> uh, we'll catch up on sleep someday, right? <laughs> it's been good. One of the things that, that you know, I see in you that, that is prideful and obviously being from Tampa is, is incredible, but to be one of the few um, female ADs of Power 5 schools, I mean, to, to have that in your you know, on your resume to be able to, to boost that. I mean, obviously we need more female leaders in the sport and, and in college athletics, but how prideful are you for that, to be able to, to consider yourself one of one of the vanguards here? Yeah, I mean, so grateful for the opportunity and and um, it is rare, um, but, but really um, fortunate to be in this position now where I can contribute to creating opportunities for, for women and people of color. Um, we have seven women in Power Five with one that just announced her retirement so we could potentially be down to six uh, after they replaced Sandy Barber at Penn State, um, and then three um, women of color uh, in Power Five. So um, we've got work to do. But I've, I, like I said, I just I feel fortunate that I'm in this position um, where I can help create opportunities um, because uh, change is good and and progress is is a good thing. And so um, I don't take it lightly the position that I'm in, and um, you know enjoy being a, a role model for for little girls who look like me and, and um, really, again, creating those opportunities is, is really important. You mentioned change and, and progress being good. Uh, this was certainly a year for change and progress when it comes to the NCAA Women's Basketball Tournament as well as the Women's Final Four. I know as a committee, you put so much emphasis into making sure uh, that progress took place. And so how now, as you look back and you're a couple days removed what are some of those points of pride for you in terms of what just took place in Minneapolis as well as throughout the entire tournament? 
Yeah, I mean, thank God. Uh, thank God we had the opportunity to, to create change this year. It's been a long time coming. I think those of us that have been around the women's game for a while um, uh, realized that, it, that change needed to happen. And, and it was a, a painful moment where we realized it very publicly last year um, uh, during the tournament in, in San Antonio. But um, it led to the opportunity to, to create um, a better experience for our student athletes that have worked so hard to, to get to um, the tournament. Uh, you saw things like expanded bracket. We have 68 teams now uh, in the women's final or in the women's championships at, at same as the men. Um, we've got the same number of division one uh, men's and women's teams. So why not the same number of opportunities? Um, we were able to utilize uh, the term March Madness. Um, March Madness is a gender gender neutral term. Um, and, and what better way to describe what goes on in both men's and women's basketball during the month. And, and so that was really exciting. Um, and, and enhanced student athlete experience, I think was really visible. We heard a lot of great feedback um, from student athletes and coaches, um, you know, little things like the swag bags were the exact same. They were packaged the same way. Value um, was the same. We had student athlete lounges at the final four. Um, just again, making sure that that it was an equitable experience and and where possible um, an equal experience. Now there are some differences. Um, you know, men's and, and women's tournament. The, the women's tournament first and second round sites are hosted on on campus sites, not predetermined sites like like the men. Um, so there are some differences, but but that work for women's basketball. Um, so it was just overall really good. Um, but I think it's important to note that the work is not done. Um, you know, we still have opportunities to continue to create um, a world-class experience for these student athletes once, once they reach the, the you know, ultimate uh, experience in, in the championship at the end of their season. We talked about the, the viewership numbers before you came on. Really cool to see. I mean, nearly 5 million people watching South Carolina, yeah. which, which was the most watched women's title game since 2004. The sport has really grown the, you know, the, the interest in women's basketball has grown birth. And I know you have back there a little plaque on your mantle from, uh, from the women's final for the last time it was here in Tampa. We've got it coming back in 2025. How cool would that be just for you? I mean, first of all, to, to host it here in this city is amazing, but how cool would that be for you if your women's basketball program was able to play in the women's final four here in Tampa, where, where you were born? Let's mark it down. Let's manifest that. Do women's <laughs> basketball in the final four, 2025. Um, listen, we're ready. We're ready to come to Tampa. Um, you all do such a great job. I mean, it, it was an incredible experience. Um, 2019 was my first women's final four in a while. Uh, I hadn't been. And so um, to experience it in my hometown, and, and I just have to tell you really quick, the most meaningful thing for me, um, uh, the local organizing committee provided us gifts of um, our names in the bricks uh, on the water there. Um, and that to me personally was just the most meaningful thing ever. So I'm cemented in Tampa, Tampa history, uh, which was absolutely amazing. Um, great city uh, for, for a fan experience. I mean, it's such a walkable um, downtown with so many things to do. Um, and then the games have been incredible. I mean, um, sold out crowds, of course, Tampa in 19 was sold out and we look forward to that again in 25. But, um, you know, it, there's just the, the women's basketball game, the community is so invested, growing, not only viewership, but just kind of all of the ancillary parts um, around a Final Four championship uh, it has just been absolutely amazing to watch grow. So love to get it back to Tampa as, as often as possible, selfishly. <laughs> we appreciate your advocacy for, for Team Tampa Bay. 
uh, Nina, know how busy you are. So we're going to let you let you go. But I can promise you this. If you enjoyed being a committee member for the 2019 Women's Final Four, you're going to enjoy even more being a committee alumni member when it comes <laughs> to 2025, because you can let your hair down and have a little more fun. Yeah. That's for sure. <laughs> Love it. Thank you guys. It's been great to be with you and I'll look forward to that 25 experience. Sounds good. Congrats on all your success, Nina. You inspire so many people around the country and we can't wait to continue to cheer you on. Thanks guys. It was great to get a chance to visit with our good friend, Nina King, who continues to be an awesome ambassador of, of team Tampa Bay, as well as all of college athletics. Uh, nobody better to help run the women's final four the last couple of years. And we can't wait to have her back here in 2025. I love that. She still had the plaque from, from 2019. The last time we hosted the women's final four here in Tampa, like it just goes to show you the pride she has not only for our city, Rob, but for that sport, she obviously oversees so much at Duke and what a, what a ride it's been, especially with, you know, coach Krzyzewski retiring in that retirement tour and obviously getting so close to the national championship game as, as his final game as nearly five decades at Duke university, but she's, she's done so much. She's been, you know, so back and forth and busy, but still to honor the city of Tampa and to have that right there to reflect on and look was, was a really cool moment to learn about that. Oh, absolutely. She's done more in the last week than any of us have done in our entire lives. Right? I mean, you think <laughs> about her flying back and forth from the men's final four to the women's final four and helping lead women's final four she is a great role model uh for for all of us now we've got another great event we talked about women's final four we got another great event coming up this weekend and that's our tampa bay kids triathlon eight years ago uh we started to look at potential events to be able to host our community what events we could start up and we looked at adventure island and we said well, how cool would it be if we could create a triathlon where where little kids could swim through the lazy river they could ride their bikes around bush gardens and then they could run around adventure island and just what a great backdrop it would be so we started this idea out of scratch and it's grown each and every year ever since we had to take a couple years off uh because of the pandemic but it's finally here this coming weekend and it's going to be pretty special yeah, it's, it's going to be really special. And it's so cool to be able to, to, to witness that event, to see the smiles that it puts on, you know, those kids faces and being the eighth annual and, and coming up this Saturday on April 9th, it's going to be fun swimming, biking, running your way through Adventure Island and Bush Gardens. Um, you know, Gavin Lambert, uh, who we had an opportunity to, to name the finish line after just t dive into his story a little bit, Rob, because it's so inspirational and it's so incredible. And this event, it's not just about the triathlon. It's about the, the long lasting influence that it has not only on our community, but, but special, special kids like Gavin. Well, Gavin is affectionately known to all of us as the finisher and he inspires each of us every day to finish. And I'm going to talk a little bit about his story uh, with the park president of Bush Gardens, Neil Thurman in just a minute, but I can tell you uh, so much of this event is being able to help generate funds to be able to battle uh, Friedrich's ataxia and enhance research there. And so that's become a huge part of the, the fabric of the event. Um, it's really one of those things where when we started the event, we had no idea the twists and turns it would take and that it would take on such a meaningful uh, initiative like Friedrich's ataxia. But uh, here we are, we're, we're excited for it. And let's take a few minutes to visit with our good friend, the park president, of Bush Gardens, Tampa Bay, Neil Thurman. 
Well, we're joined by the park president for Bush Gardens, Tampa Bay, Neil Thurman, a good friend of the Tampa Bay Sports Commission and, and Tampa Bay community. Thanks for joining us, Neil. My pleasure to be here. We've got our eighth annual Tampa Bay Kids Triathlon coming up this weekend at Adventure Island. You know, from, a, from an overall park perspective, how excited are you guys, Neil? We could not be more excited. It, it's just a, it's a great event. And we're thrilled the event's back in the park. I mean, the reality matter is we're in the business of creating unforgettable experiences. And while this will be my first uh, Tampa Bay Kids Triathlon as the park president, I know the experience will create memories that the athletes and families will treasure forever. So that makes it special because creating memories is what we do every day here. It's got to be really special for the park and Adventure Island to be able to host it. And it's so unique, too, for a kid's triathlon because you just mentioned it. That's a place where you go to create memories. And now how cool is it now for the eighth annual, you know, to create memories there as well? That's right. It's just a great history of this event. And I was going back and looking at some pictures and video of past events and people are just having an amazing time. And, and what a unique place to do it. One of my favorite aspects of the event is the fact that it gives back a portion of the pro proceeds to Friedrichs Ataxia. And our one of our very first kids triathlons at Adventure Island, um, we were we thought all the participants had had crossed the finish line and we were about to start giving out medals and we get a radio call that said there still was a competitor on the course and so we go and look uh as the the run is wrapping up and there is a kid named gavin lambert that is giving every ounce of energy that he had uh, to, to finish up the run portion and, and cross the finish line. And he was such an inspiration to all of us. And it's a young man that is, continues to battle valiantly and is going to beat Friedrich's ataxia. But since then, the relationship with Gavin has continued to progress. Uh, there's great videos on our, our YouTube of Gavin. And, and recently, just a couple of years ago, we named the finish line after Gavin Lambert. It's the Gavin Lambert finish line. And again, it's a, a, a great contribu contributor to the, the fight against Friedrich's ataxia. From a park perspective, you know, how important is it for you guys to, to give back and be a part of such a great cause? I was recently reading about and watching some of those videos you're talking about, about Gavin, you know, I just couldn't help but be inspired by, by watching him and reading his story. What, what an incredible young man. The impact Gavin has had on others is just extraordinary. You know, watching his friends rally around him uh, reminds me of the incredible power of the human spirit. Sometimes there are people that come into your life and make you a better person just by knowing them or knowing of them. Gavin's one of those special people that has that kind of impact on others. So nothing pleases me more than, than being a part of, of the research and being a part of, you know, Gavin's story um, out here at, at Adventure Island. So uh, just could not be more honored to be a part of that. 
you know, Neil, this upcoming weekend's eighth annual uh, Tampa Bay Kids Triathlon may be the first time that people are returning to Bush Gardens and Adventure Island in years, given the COVID-19 pandemic. Um, it's going to be so good to see people gathering back together again at the parks, being able to experience it uh, once again here. So this is going to be a big spring and summer, obviously, for the park. So what can we expect when, as we're looking towards the spring and summer season? Because we want families out there. We want the kids out there. We want everybody to come back to Bush Gardens and Adventure Island and, and experience the amazing time that we always have out there. Yeah, it's a great question. Just because this event is coming back, it's just another thing that shows we're back, we're reopened. There's so much to offer at both Bush Gardens and Adventure Island. We're going through a complete transformation of both parks. We're, we're painting, we're cleaning up, we're introducing new front gates. You'll see at Adventure Island, we have a brand new, beautifully landscaped tropical uh, seating area in front of the wave pool that's just spectacular. We have two new slides opening uh, uh, just a little bit at Adventure Island, across the street at Bush Gardens. We're now home to 10 roller coasters, including Florida's tallest, Iron Gwazi, which, just, which, which recently opened. Um, it's an amazing time to come visit the parks. And this summer, we're introducing a whole new series of entertainment throughout the park as we continue to reopen and bring live entertainment back to the park. So it is a spectacular time uh, to be a pass holder, be a fun card holder, come out and visit the park. We're introducing new benefits um, to pass holders and fun card, fun card holders. So it just is a great time to come visit the park and, and escape what's happening in the real world and come have fun with us. Neil, I really need your help here because I really want to see Rob's face on that 91 degree drop on the Iron Gwazi. So I look, let's pressure him into him and I getting to ride the Iron Gwazi together because we need some video evidence of that. You know what? That, that first picture of that first ride going down that jet drop is, is pretty spectacular. I, I made them throw away the photo of me going down because it was it was just crazy, uh, but it is it is totally a shot that you you definitely want. It's experience like nothing I've ever done before, and I've ridden a lot of roller coasters. Iron Gwazi is spectacular. We Come can on, Rob, let's do it. Let's do it, Rob. I, I've got a better idea. Okay, guys, is this is the eighth annual Tampa Bay Kids Triathlon? I think for the tenth anniversary, that the three of us compete. And we swim through the lazy river, we hop on some bikes, and then we run. And whoever crosses the Gavin Lambert finish line gets the bragging rights of it all. What do you guys think? It gives us two years to prepare. I mean, this isn't like, I'm not saying let's do it this weekend, but what if we do it in two years? What do you think, guys? We'll have to see. I don't know if I can compete with the athletes that are coming out <laughs> this weekend. <laughs> I, you know what? I think you're right, Rob. I need a, I need a two-year head start to train yeah, for this. So I'm, I'm completely on board with that. <laughs> well, Neil, I just want, in all seriousness, I just want to thank you uh, for your support of, of the Kids Triathlon. You, you and your staff have been fantastic throughout. We can't wait uh, to make some memories with all the participants this weekend. And it wouldn't happen without your incredible and unwavering support. So thank you so much. It's absolutely our pleasure. We're glad to partner with, with this event and, and the community. Awesome to have Neil on, Rob. And I'm telling you, I mean, you might have challenged us with two years worth of preparation to, to, to be a part of this Tampa Bay Kids Triathlon, but I am holding you to it. You are going to ride the Iron Gwazi with me, and I will get video of you and your surprise face as we drop 91 degrees. That's not happening. But I will be ready for in two years when we compete against each other. We had a lot of fun in Super Bowl doing the 40-yard dash. And it took me a couple weeks to recover from that. So I can't imagine the months that I'll need of healing to take place if you and I do this kids' triathlon in a couple of years. 
I probably got the swimming thing down just because my last name's Bass. I'm, I'm pretty good with swimming. So I think I could beat you there. It's, it's the running and it's the biking. I don't know if I can, if I can keep up with you, but based on our 40 yard dash, we were neck and neck. So I'm thinking it's going to be a pretty good competition uh, a couple of years from now when, when we uh, get going in this thing. So really excited for the event coming up this weekend. And if you guys can make it out the Tampa Bay kids triathlon, you can get more information by the way, at Tampa Bay kids triathlon.com for the eighth annual eighth annual event. That's coming up uh, this Saturday, April 9th. Uh, you are going to be traveling this weekend. My friend, you'll be up in Boston, shipping up to Boston for the frozen four, the men's frozen four, as you get an opportunity to kind of uh, take it all in and, and gear up for us having the men's frozen four in 2023 before we're on the clock. So take us through what you're, what you're going to be doing when you go up there in Boston and, and the experience uh, you're going to be taking in when you head up there. Yeah, we were in Minneapolis this past weekend for women's final four headed to Boston for men's frozen four. It's just going to be an awesome opportunity to be able to see what they're doing to make sure they have an incredible fan experience as well as student athlete experience. So we're going to be looking at it from a variety of different lenses. We'll dive into it uh, next episode in terms of everything that we're specifically keeping an eye out for. And we're going to get a chance to visit with Chad Tolliver, who runs the NCAA Men's Frozen Four. This is actually his first one that he's uh, in that seat for. And uh, he's been with the event for quite some time, but he's going to have a really unique perspective as well. It's going to be awesome to chat with him. We've got Benjamin Mallon coming on as well. If you haven't heard his story with Replay Tampa Bay, I can't wait for you to see his interview. We had a lot of fun with him. Rob, we're getting a little double dip this week. Two episodes, one week. You were making me work very hard, my friend, before I head down to Fort Lauderdale for the Tortuga Music Festival. So I just want to thank you for, for making sure I put in the sweat equity before I sweat on the beach for three days. It's about time. I think you're a specialist in uh, hardly working. So the fact that you're working hard is quite a, a refreshing thing, at least for an outsider like me to witness. Doubling down game day every day, two episodes, one week. Hope you guys are enjoying it. We cannot wait to see you on episode five of the game day every day podcast. For Rob, I'm Ryan. Have a great one, guys. We'll be back here soon for the game day every day podcast. 